This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Twelfth Night, or What You Will, by William Shakespeare. Dramatis Personae. Orsino, Duke of Illyria. Performed by Joshua Christensen. Sebastian, played by Rachel Olson. Antonio, a sea captain, friend to Sebastian, performed by Alan Drake. The Sea Captain, performed by Kara Schallenberg. Valentine, gentleman attending on the Duke, read by Zachary Brewstergeis. Uriel, a gentleman attending on the Duke, performed by Heather Barnett. Sir Toby Belch, uncle to Olivia, performed by Alan Drake. Sir Andrew Aguecheek, performed by Andy Minter. Malvolio, steward to Olivia, performed by John Gonzales. Fabian, servant of Olivia, performed by James Rye. Feasty the Clown, performed by Larissa Jaworski. Olivia, a rich countess, performed by Kristen Hughes. Viola. Performed by Karen Savage. Mariah, Olivia's waiting woman. Performed by Rosalind Wills. Servant. Performed by Larissa Jaworski. First officer. Performed by Christy Nowak. Second officer. Read by Rosalind Wills. A priest. Performed by J.C. Lundberg. Narrator. Performed by Gesine. Scene. A city in Illyria and the sea-coast near it. Act One, Scene One, An Apartment in the Duke's Palace. Enter Duke, Curio, and other lords, musicians attending. If music be the food of love, play on. Give me excess of it, that surfeiting the appetite may sicken and so die. That strain again, it had a dying fall. Oh, it came o'er my ear like the sweet sound that breathes upon a bank of violets, stealing and giving odor. Enough, no more. Tis not so sweet now as it was before. Oh, spirit of love, how quick and fresh art thou, that notwithstanding thy capacity receiveth as the sea, not enters there of what validity and pitch soe'er, but falls into abatement and low price, even in a minute. So full of shapes is fancy, that it alone is high fantastical. Will you go hunt, my lord? What, Curio? The heart. Why, so I do, the noblest that I have. Oh, when mine eyes did see Olivia first, methought she purged the air of pestilence. That instant was I turned into a heart, and my desires, like fell and cruel hounds, ere since pursue me. Enter Valentine. How now? What news from her? So please, my lord, I might not be admitted, but from her handmaid do return this answer. The element itself, till seven years' heat, shall not behold her face at ample view, but like a cloistress she will veil it walk and water once a day her chamber round with eye-offending brine, all this to season a brother's dead love, which she would keep fresh and lasting in her sad remembrance. Oh, she that hath a heart of that fine frame, to pay this debt of love but to a brother, 
How will she love when the rich golden shaft hath killed the flock of all affections else that live in her, when liver, brain, and heart, these sovereign thrones, are all supplied and filled, her sweet perfections with one self-king? Away before me to sweet beds of flowers, love thoughts lie rich when canopied with bowers. Exeunt. End of scene one. Scene two. The sea coast. Enter Viola, a captain, and sailors. What country, friends, is this? This is Illyria, lady. And what should I do in Illyria? My brother, he is in Elysium. Perchance he is not drowned. What think you, sailors? It is perchance that you yourself were saved. Oh, my poor brother! And so perchance may he be. True, madam. And, to comfort you with chance, assure yourself, after our ship did split, when you and those poor number saved with you hung on our driving boat, I saw your brother, most provident in peril, bind himself, courage and hope both teaching him the practice, to a strong mast that lived upon the sea, where, like Arion on the dolphin's back, I saw him hold acquaintance with the waves so long as I could see. For saying so, there's gold. Mine own escape unfoldeth to my hope, whereto thy speech serves for authority the like of him. Knowst thou this country? Aye, madam, well, for I was bred and born not three hours' travel from this very place. Who governs here? A noble duke, in nature as in name. What is his name? Orsino. Orsino. I have heard my father name him. He was a bachelor then. And so is now, or was so very late. For but a month ago I went from hence, and then twas fresh in murmur, as you know what great ones do the less will prattle of, that he did seek the love of fair Olivia. What's she? A virtuous maid the daughter of a count that died some twelve months since, then leaving her in the protection of his son, her brother, who shortly also died, for whose dear love, they say, she hath abjured the company and sight of men. Oh, that I served that lady, and might not be delivered to the world till I had made mine own occasion mellow what my estate is. That were hard to compass, because she will admit no kind of suit. No, not the duke's. There is a fair behaviour in thee, Captain. And though that nature with a beauteous wall doth off close in pollution, yet of thee I will believe thou hast a mind that suits with this thy fair and outward character. I prithee, and I'll pay thee bounteously, conceal me what I am, and be my aid for such disguise as haply shall become the form of my intent. I'll serve this duke. Thou shalt present me as an eunuch to him. It may be worth thy pains, for I can sing, and speak to him in many sorts of music, that will allow me very worth his service. What else may hap, to time I will commit." Only shape thou silence to my wit. Be you his eunuch, and your mute I'll be. When my tongue blabs, then let mine eyes not see. I thank thee. Lead me on. Exeunt. End of scene two. Scene three. Olivia's house. Enter Sir Toby Belch and Maria. What a plague means my niece? 
to take the death of her brother thus? I am sure cares an enemy to life. By my troth, Sir Toby, you must come in earlier a night. Your cousin, my lady, takes great exception to your ill hours. Why, let her accept before accepted. Ay, but you must confine yourself within the modest limits of order. Confine? I'll confine myself no finer than I am. These clothes are good enough to drink in, and so be these boots too. And they be not. Let them hang themselves on their own straps. That quaffing and drinking will undo you. I heard my lady talk of it yesterday, and of a foolish knight that you brought in one night here to be her wooer. Who? Sir Andrew Aguecheek? Aye, he. He's as tall a man as any's in Illyria. What's that to the purpose? Why, he has three thousand ducats a year. Aye, but he'll have but a year in all these ducats. He's a very fool and a prodigal. Fie that you say so. He plays all the viol de gambos and speaks three or four languages, word for word, without a book, and hath all the good gifts of nature. He hath indeed all, most natural, for besides that he's a fool, he's a great quarreller, and but that he hath the gift of a coward to allay the gust he hath in quarrelling, tis thought among the prudent he would quickly have the gift of a grave. By his hand. They are scoundrels and subtractors that say so of him. Who are they? They that add, moreover, he's drunk nightly in your company. With drinking healths to my niece. I'll drink to her as long as there's a passage in my throat and drink in Illyria. He's a coward and a coistrel that would not drink to my niece till his brains turn o'er the toll like a parish top. What, wench? Castellano Volgo. For here comes Sir Andrew Aguface. Enter Sir Andrew Aguecheek. Sir Toby Belch, how now, Sir Toby Belch? Sweet Sir Andrew. Bless you, fair shrew. And you too, sir. A cost, Sir Andrew, a cost. What's that? My niece's chambermaid. Good mistress Acosta, I desire better acquaintance. My name is Mary, sir. Good mistress Mary Acosta. You mistake, knight. Acost is front her, board her, woo her, assail her. By my truth, I would not undertake her in this company. Is that the meaning of Acost? Fare you well, gentlemen. And thou let part so, Sir Andrew, would thou mightest never draw a sword again. And you part so, mistress, I would I might never draw a sword again. Fair lady, do you think you have fools in hand? Sir, I have not you by the hand. Mary, but you shall have, and here's my hand. Now, sir, thought is free. I pray you, bring your hand to the buttery bar and let it drink. Wherefore, sweetheart, what's your metaphor? It's dry, sir. Why, I think so. I am not such an ass, but I can keep my hand dry. But what's your jest? A dry jest, sir. Are you full of them? Aye, sir. I have them at my fingers' ends. 
Mary, now I let go your hand, I am barren. Exit. O knight, thou lackest a cup of canary. When did I see thee so put down? Never in your life, I think, unless you see canary put me down. Methinks sometimes I have no more wit than a Christian or an ordinary man has, but I am a great eater of beef, and I believe that does harm to my wit. And no question. And I thought that I'd forswear it. I'll ride home tomorrow, Sir Toby. Pourquoi, my dear knight? What is pourquoi? Do or not do? I would I had bestowed that time in the tongues that I have in fencing, dancing, and bear-baiting. Oh, but had I followed the arts... Then hast thou an excellent head of hair. Why, would that have mended my hair? Past question, for thou seest it will not curl by nature. But it becomes me well enough, doth not? Excellent. It hangs like flax on a distaff. Faith, I'll home to-morrow, Sir Toby. Your niece will not be seen, or if she be, it's four to one she'll none of me. The Count himself here hard by woos her. She'll none on the Count. She'll not match above her degree, neither in estate, years, nor wit. I have heard her swear it. Tut! There's life in it, man! I'll stay a month longer. I am a fellow of the strangest mind in the world. I delight in masks and revels, sometimes altogether. Art thou good at these kickshaws as night? As any man in Illyria whatsoever he be, under the degree of my betters, and yet I will not compare with an old man. What is thy excellence in a galliard, knight? Faith, I can cut a caper. And I can cut the mutton to it. And I think I have the back trick simply as strong as any man in Illyria. Wherefore are these things hid? Wherefore have these gifts a curtain before him? Are they like to take dust, like Mistress Maul's pictures? Why dost thou not go to the church in a galliard, and come home in a caranto? My very walk should be a jig. What dost thou mean? Is it a world to hide virtues in? I did think by the excellent constitution of thy leg. It was formed under the star of a galliard. Aye, it is strong, it does indifferent well in flame-coloured stock. Shall we set about some revels? What shall we do else? We are not born under Taurus. Taurus? That's sides and heart. No, sir, it is legs and thighs. Let me see the caper. Ha! Higher! Ha! Ha! Excellent! Exeunt. End of scene three. Scene four. The Duke's Palace. Enter Valentine and Viola in man's attire. If the Duke continue these favors toward you, Cesario, you are like to be much advanced. He hath known you but three days, and already you are no stranger. You either fear his humor or my negligence, that you call in question the continuance of his love. Is he inconstant, sir, in his favours? No. Believe me. I thank you. Here comes the Count. Enter Duke, Curio, and attendants. Who saw Cesario, ho? On your attendance, my lord, here. 
Stand you a while aloof. Cesario, thou knowest no less but all. I have unclasped to thee the book even of my secret soul. Therefore, good youth, address thy gate unto her. Be not denied access. Stand at her doors and tell them there thy fixed foot shall grow till thou have audience. Sure, my noble lord, if she be so abandoned to her sorrow as it is spoke, she never will admit me. Be clamorous, and leap all civil bounds, rather than make unprofited return. Say I do speak with her, my lord. What then? Oh, then unfold the passion of my love. Surprise her with discourse of my dear faith. It shall become thee well to act my woes. She will attend it better in thy youth, than in annuncios of more grave aspect. I think not so, my lord. Dear lad, believe it. For they shall yet belie thy happy years that say, Thou art a man. Diana's lip is not more smooth and rubious. Thy small pipe is as the maiden's organ, shrill and sound, and all is semblative of a woman's part. I know thy constellation is right apt for this affair. Some four or five attend him, all if you will, for I myself am best when least in company. Prosper well in this, and thou shalt live as freely as thy lord to call his fortunes thine. I'll do my best to woo your lady. Aside. And yet what of barful strife, whoe'er I woo myself would be his wife. Exeunt. End of scene four. Scene five. Olivia's house. Enter Maria and Clown. Nay, either tell me where thou hast been, or I will not open my lips so wide as a bristle may enter in way of thy excuse. My lady will hang thee for thy absence. Let her hang me. He that is well hanged in this world needs to fear no colours. Make that good. He shall see none to fear. A good Lenten answer. I can tell thee where that saying was born, of I fear no colours. Where, good Mistress Mary? In the wars, and that may you be bold to say in your foolery. Well... God give them wisdom that have it, and those that are fools, let them use their talents. Yet you will be hanged for being so long absent, or to be turned away. Is that not as good as a hanging to you? Many a good hanging prevents a bad marriage, and for turning away, let summer bear it out. You are resolute, then? Not so, neither, but I am resolved on two points. That if one break, the other will hold, and if both break, your gaskins fall. Apt, in good faith, very apt. Well, go thy way, if Sir Toby would leave drinking, thou wert as witty a piece of Eve's flesh as any in Illyria. Peace, you rogue, no more of that. Here comes my lady. Make your excuse wisely, you were best. Exit. Wit and to be thy will put me into good fooling. Those wits that think they have thee do very oft prove fools, and I that am sure I lack thee may pass for a wise man, for what says Quinapulus, better a witty fool than a foolish wit? Enter Lady Olivia with Malvolio. God bless thee, lady. Take the fool away. Do you not hear, fellows? Take away the lady. Go to, you're a dry fool. I'll know more of you. Besides, you grow dishonest. Two faults, Madonna, that drink and good counsel will amend. For give the dry fool drink, then is not the fool dry. Bid the dishonest man mend himself. If he mend, he is no longer dishonest. If he cannot, let the botcher mend him. 
anything that's mended is but patched virtue that transgresses is but patched with sin and sin that amends is but patched with virtue if that this simple syllogism will serve so if it will not what remedy as there is no true cuckold but calamity so beauty's a flower the lady bade take away the fool therefore i say again take her away sir i bade them take away you miss prison in the highest degree lady cuculus non facet monarchum that's as much to say as i wear not motley in my brain good madonna give me leave to prove you a fool can you do it dexterously good madonna make your proof i must catechise you for it madonna my good mouse of virtue answer me well sir for want of other idleness i'll bide your proof good madonna why mournst thou good fool for my brother's death i think his soul is in hell madonna i know his soul is in heaven fool the more fool madonna to mourn for your brother's soul being in heaven take away the fool gentlemen what thinks you of this fool malvolio doth he not mend yes and shall do till the pangs of death shake him infirmity that decays the wise doth ever make the better fool god send you sir a speedy infirmity for the better increasing your folly sir toby will be sworn that i am no fox but he will not pass his word for tuppence that you are no fool how say you to that malvolio i marvel your ladyship takes delight in such a barren rascal i saw him put down the other day with an ordinary fool that has no more brain than a stone look you now he's out of his guard already unless you laugh and minister occasion to him he's gagged i protest i take these wise men that crow so at these set kind of fools no better than the fool's zanies oh you are sick of self-love malvolio and taste with a distempered appetite to be generous guiltless and of free disposition is to take those things for bird-bolts that you deem cannon-bullets there is no slander in an allowed fool though he do nothing but rail nor no railing in a known discreet man though he do nothing but reprove now mercury endue thee with leasing for thou speak'st well of fools re-enter maria madam there is at the gate a young gentleman much desires to speak with you from the count orsino is it i know not madam tis a fair young man and well attended who of my people hold him in delay sir toby madam your kinsman fetch him off i pray you he speaks nothing but madman fie on him exit maria go you malvolio if it be a suit from the count i am sick or not at home what you will to dismiss it exit malvolio now you see sir how your fooling grows old and people dislike it thou hast spoke for us madonna as if thy eldest son should be a fool whose skull jove cram with brains for here he comes enter sir toby one of thy kin has a most weak piamata by mine honour half drunk what is he at the gate cousin a gentleman a gentleman what gentleman tis a gentleman here a plague or these pickled herrings how now sot good sir toby cousin cousin how have you come so early by this lethargy lechery i defy lechery 
There's one at the gate. Aye, marry. What is he? Let him be the devil, and he will. I cannot. Give me faith, say I. Well, it's all one. Exit. What's a drunken man like, fool? Like a drowned man, a fool, and a madman. One draught above heat makes him a fool, the second mads him, and a third drowns him. Go thou and seek the crowner, and let him sit o' my cuz, for he's in the third degree of drink, he's drowned. Go look after him. He is but mad yet, Madonna, and the fool shall look to the madman. Exit. Re-enter Malvolio. Madam, yon young fellow swears he will speak with you. I told him you were sick. He takes on him to understand so much, and therefore comes to speak with you. I told him you were asleep. He seems to have a foreknowledge of that too, and therefore comes to speak with you. What is to be said to him, lady? He's fortified against any denial. Tell him he shall not speak with me. He has been told so, and he says he'll stand at your door like a sheriff's post, and be the supporter to a bench, but he'll speak with you. What kind of man is he? Why, of mankind. What manner of man? A very ill manner. He'll speak with you, will you or no. Of what personage in years is he? Not yet old enough for a man, nor young enough for a boy. As a squash is before tis a peas cod, or a codling when tis almost an apple. Tis with him in standing water between boy and man. He is very well favoured, and he speaks very shrewishly. One would think his mother's milk was scarce out of him. Let him approach. Call in my gentlewoman. Gentlewoman, my lady calls. Exit. Re-enter Maria. Give me my veil. Come, throw it o'er my face. We'll once more hear Orsino's embassy. Enter Viola and attendants. The honourable lady of the house, which is she? Speak to me, I shall answer for her. Your will? Most radiant, exquisite, and unmatchable beauty, I pray you, tell me if this be the lady of the house, for I never saw her. I would be loath to cast away my speech, for besides that it is excellently well penned, I have taken great pains to con it. Good beauties, let me sustain no scorn. I am very comfortable even to the least sinister usage. Whence came you, sir? I can say little more than I have studied, and that question's out of my part. Good gentle one, give me modest assurance, if you be the lady of the house, that I may proceed in my speech. Are you a comedian? No, my profound heart. And yet, by the very fangs of malice, I swear, I am not that I play. Are you the lady of the house? If I do not usurp myself, I am. Most certain. If you are she, you do usurp yourself. For what is yours to bestow is not yours to preserve. But this is from my commission. I will on with my speech in your praise, and then show you the heart of my message. Come to what is important in it. I forgive you the praise. Alas, I took great pains to study it, and tis poetical. It is the more like to be feigned. I pray you, keep it in. I heard you a saucy at my gates, and allowed your approach rather to wonder at you than to hear you. If you be not mad, be gone. If you have reason, be brief. Tis not that time of moon with me to make one in so skipping a dialogue. Will you hoist sail, sir? Here lies your way. No, good swabber. I am to hull here a little longer. Some mollification for your giant, sweet lady. Tell me your mind. I am a messenger. 
Sure you have some hideous matter to deliver when the courtesy of it is so fearful. Speak your office. It alone concerns your ear. I bring no overture of war, no taxation of homage. I hold the olive in my hand. My words are as full of peace as matter. Yet you began rudely. What are you? What would you? The rudeness that hath appeared in me have I learned from my entertainment. What I am and what I would are as secret as maidenhead. To your ears, divinity. To any others, profanation. Give us the place alone. We will hear this divinity. Exeunt Maria and attendants. Now, sir, what is your text? Most sweet lady. A comfortable doctrine, and much may be said of it. Where lies your text? In Orsino's bosom. In his bosom? In what chapter of his bosom? To answer by the method, in the first of his heart. Oh, I have read it. It is heresy. Have you no more to say? Good madam, let me see your face. Have you any commission from your lord to negotiate with my face? You are now out of your text. But we will draw the curtain and show you the picture. Look you, sir, such a one I was this present. Is't not well done? Unveiling. Excellently done, if God did all. Tis in grain, sir. Twill endure wind and weather. Tis beauty truly blent, whose red and white nature's own sweet and cunning hand laid on. Lady, you are the cruellest she alive, if you will lead these graces to the grave, and leave the world no copy. Oh, sir, I will not be so hard-hearted. I will give out divers' schedules of my beauty. It shall be inventoried, and every particle and utensil labelled to my will, as item, two lips, indifferent red, item, two grey eyes, with lids to them, item, one neck, one chin, and so forth. Were you sent hither to praise me? I see what you are. You are too proud. But if you were the devil, you are fair. My lord and master loves you. Oh, such love could be but recompensed, though you were crowned the nonpareil of beauty. How does he love me? With adorations, fertile tears, with groans that thunder love, with sighs of fire. Your lord does know my mind. I cannot love him. Yet I suppose him virtuous, know him noble, of great estate, of fresh and stainless youth, in voices well divulged, free, learned, and valiant and in dimension and the shape of nature a gracious person, but yet I cannot love him. He might have took his answer long ago. If I did love you in my master's flame, with such a suffering, such a deadly life, in your denial I would find no sense. I would not understand it. Why? What would you? Make me a willow cabin at your gate, and call upon my soul within the house. Write loyal cantons of contemned love, and sing them loud even in the dead of night. Hallow your name to the reverberate hills, and make the babbling gossip of the air cry out, Olivia! Oh, you should not rest between the elements of air and earth, but you should pity me. You might do much. What is your parentage? Above my fortunes, yet my state as well. I am a gentleman. Get you to your lord. I cannot love him. Let him send no more. Unless, perchance, you come to me again, to tell me how he takes it. Fare you well. I thank you for your pains. Spend this for me. I am no feed-post, lady. 
Keep your purse. My master, not myself, lacks recompense. Love make his heart of flint that you shall love. And let your fervour, like my master's, be placed in contempt. Farewell, fair cruelty. Exit. What is your parentage? Above my fortunes, yet my state is well. I am a gentleman. I'll be sworn thou art. Thy tongue, thy face, thy limbs, actions, and spirit do give thee five-fold blazon. Not too fast, soft, soft, unless the master were the man. How now, even so quickly one may catch the plague. Methinks I feel this youth's perfections with an invisible and subtle stealth to creep in at mine eyes. Well, let it be. What ho, Malvolio? Re-enter Malvolio. Here, madam, at your service. Run after that same peevish messenger, the county's man. He left this ring behind him, would I or not. Tell him I'll none of it. Desire him not to flatter with his lord, nor hold him up with hopes. I am not for him. If that the youth will come this way to-morrow, I'll give him reasons for it. Hide thee, Malvolio. Madam, I will. Exit. I do, I know not what, and fear to find mine eye too great a flatterer for my mind. Fate show thy force, ourselves we do not owe. What is decreed must be, and be this so. Exit. End of scene five. End of act one.